Hello, I'm Daniel Sketchler. And I'm Callum Byrne. We've been friends for more than 10 years, sharing lifelong passions such as film and music. But most importantly, football, through the ups and the downs, the celebration and the heartbreak. However, he's a blue nose. And he's a villain. This is the Second City Podcast. Oh, hello, Carl. How are you? Take eight of the podcast intro. Yeah, I've, I've I've lost count. I've completely lost count. But we've got there. It, it is the thirteenth episode, so maybe that's why it's slightly been <laughs> cursed this evening. Maybe, but we're good now. This looks good. Uh, v- video and audio quality is yeah. workable, so this is good. Um, nice. How are you though? Yeah, keeping well. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, it's been a week of sort of preparing for christmas a little bit but i've seen some family as well um i've bought myself a new christmas jumper which i'm sure will be debuted on the pod as we nearer december 25th so oh gosh maybe we should do a christmas football themed christmas jumper uh <laughs> night before too long um definitely what about yeah. yourself dan how are you yeah i've been all right um a little bit poorly for a few days last week so i'm kind of uh i don't know didn't have much energy for a few days and stuff but kind of um yeah mostly better now uh the blues game didn't really help my uh <laughs> i was really not very well on sort of friday saturday and um i'm sort of still able to go to work but then i recorded the blues game and watched it when i got in i was really tired i was like well i'll I, I, so I turned my phone off all day though and i was like oh, i just want to watch i need to like just watch the game so i don't because i'll see it somewhere what the score was and yeah, that made me feel even worse. To be honest, I think it's not my not the best afternoon I've ever had. Um, but you but yeah, are here like, like an absolute trooper, and the commitment to the podcast cannot be questioned. Thank you. Likewise, yeah, we are, we'd never let the fans down in that way. Unlike Blues at the minute, but um, <laughs> uh, but yes. Yeah, so this week we'll um, open as we always do with uh, what we're wearing, and then we'll get into obviously Villa. We're back in Europe last week. Um, and then both Blues and Villa played in the league at the weekend. So we'll get into all that. Obviously, we're going into an international break now. Um, so we'll do a bit of a housekeeping and then we'll uh, wrap up, I think is the plan, if that sounds good to you, Callum. Absolutely. Sounds good to me. Awesome. So we'll start with, as always, what we're wearing. I'm sure you know the gist of it by now. We do this every week. It's pretty self-explanatory. Um, so, yeah, who should we start with this week? Well, I guess it's called what we're wearing. I'd like to know yeah. what you're not wearing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, steady on. <laughs> yeah, that's about out of context, isn't it? <laughs> whoa. Uh, cringy chat up line. <laughs> that's one from the Second City podcast chat up line. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll write that one down. <laughs> uh, no, for those listening what the con- uh, and not watching, the context of that is that um, I'm not actually wearing a blue shirt this week. I'm wearing a different, just a... Uh, from a production company but um on display in the background the reason i'm not wearing it is because it doesn't fit me anymore basically long story short so i'll take it down and it is a blue uh obviously home fnc investments a little bit muggy on the collar there uh this has been in a drawer for years now so cal what year do you think this is Oh, I've been trying to think. Well, it's the Fish and Chip Investment sponsor. So, mm, Umbro. It's, yeah, Umbro. So it's late noughties. I have a feeling it's in that period, in that six season period where you bounced between the Premier League and the Championship, would be my guess. Interesting. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think if I recognize that shirt from a Second City derby. I'm going to take a punt on something like 0708, maybe. Hmm, interesting. You're very close. You're a year out. 2008-9, that was a championship kit we had. Um, yeah, so it just doesn't fit me anymore. So there's, I was going through all my blue shirts that I have, and um, uh, yeah, there's quite a few that, I, that just don't fit me anymore. But still got to get them on, still got to talk about like the memories and so on. Um, so yeah, that's my like my representative for what we're wearing this week. Um, so yeah, 2008-9, so it was 11 when this kit came out. Um, yeah, so no wonder it doesn't fit me. Um yeah, so Alex McLeish would have been the manager, and you're right that it would have been the sixth season, um, sixth season, something like that, where we were bouncing in between divisions. Yeah, we'd just been relegated, but then this would have been Alex McLeish's first full season as a manager at Blues. 
So we signed like Kevin Phillips, uh, Keith Fahey came in this year. I think Stephen Carr came in halfway through the season. Uh, same with Lee Bowyer. Um, and we ended up finishing second and got promoted. So obviously we were like 11 or 12. So I have like really fond memories of this season. And we actually, Wolves ran away with the league this year. But um, I remember for the whole time we were like right in the mix. You never really had like a, like a real slump. Um, and my main sort of memory of it is actually, is actually the very ending where, so we, our penultimate game, we had, I think it was Preston at home and we had to win it to go up. Or yeah, I think we had to win to go up and we went one nil up, Keith Fahey scored and the game was live on Sky. Actually, I remember I didn't actually go for some reason. Um, but yeah, I was watching it on Sky. We went one nil up after about an hour. Keith Fahey scored a header and it was like, like what a moment that was. Like we're going up, it's happening. And then, do you remember? I think his name was Ross Wallace. He was a winger, I think. Proper Unfortunately, not. Name. No, I might have had him. Uh, no, it's championship, so I wouldn't have had him in match attacks or anything. So no, uh, probably not. Yeah, he scored um, like a, two unreal goals in the last few minutes. I think I think the winner was a direct free kick, just out of nowhere. We probably we probably hadn't lost at home all season or barely, maybe lost one or two. And yeah, he scored these two mad goals in the plat. Like you know, that was kind of shattered us really um but then in the very last game we didn't wear that home kit but um we played reading away and i think we were second and they were third so it was like winner takes all pretty much and we beat them 2-1 and I, I did go to that game so that was like like pretty incredible it was like an 11 year old like getting promoted away on the last day that was fantastic um we had a great game where we beat wolves at home 2-0 i think uh gary o'connor and cameron jerome both scored um so yeah, I've I have really good memories of this season, but it's kind of a weird one. Like I look back on it, and you look on like the forums and stuff, and some people kind of complain about it a bit, and like the style of football, and yeah, we went up, but it wasn't like exciting, and it was quite turgid and stuff. Um, it's kind of what I hear a lot, but that's not my memory of it. Like obviously, maybe it's just a point in my life and so on, but I I have good memories of this season. Yeah. I, I football fans in general complain about style of football, but in from what I've seen watching football all my life is that the only style of football people actually like is winning football. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if we'd, uh, and, and like we went up, like obviously we went up this season and then the following year we finished in like the top 10 and then, um, and then finished, uh, yeah, the following year, then we won the cup. I know we got relegated as well, but it led to like really good things as well. And like, it was kind of, yeah, some great players came in that are amongst my favourite Blues players ever, like I just mentioned. Um, so yeah, I, I have good memories of this season. You've gone for, so it's an Acorns, a white away Acorns Nike shirt. Yes, there is a player mm. on the back of this shirt, recently oh, okay. printed onto this shirt. Would you oh, like okay. to see before or after your guess? I don't know if it will help or not. Oh, go on, yeah. Go on, because it probably okay. will help. I have a rough idea anyway. But... Ten Carew. Yeah, strong Carew. That uh, doesn't really help because it's roughly the ballpark I would have guessed anyway. I'm going to say 2008 as well, away. You're close. It's 09-10. Yes, 2009, yeah. So this would have been and the shirt. you sh- always had that? Shirt. So that- I had this shirt as a kid, um, in a kid's size, Um but I remember when we bought it, we arguably bought it in a size too small at the time. Um, and so, you know, when you're a kid and you're growing up, I grew out of that one very, very fast. And I had my name and I think I had the number 12 or something on the back of it. Um, but when I started expanding my collection in lockdown, this was one to get that I really, really wanted. And so I pay, I think I got, I think I ended up get. I, I got this off classic football shirts, I think. And yeah, um, I, I did buy it originally and I bought it in a large, but as we've spoken about before, the kits from this era were really baggy. So a large yeah. on me was just, it was just huge. So I sold it and bought one in a medium, which is this. Um, and then I've been thinking about getting some players on the back of it and some of my older shirts I want to get some players on the back of. And so I recently had Carew 10 put on the back of it. Um, but yeah, this, this season was like... This, this is like the defining season I remember of watching Aston Villa as a 12-year-old kid. Um, 
this is the year we went to Wembley twice in a season. We wore this shirt in the cup final that we were robbed in against Manchester United. Um, we obviously got to the FA Cup semi-final as well this year, which we got absolutely thumped by, I think it was Carlo Ancelotti's Chelsea that went on to do the double. Yeah, they did um, the double, yeah. Yeah, they beat us 3-0. We never had a kick that day. They were um, unplayable. They, they were an outrageous team that season, Chelsea. Yeah. Incredible, incredible side. Um, this was a year where we didn't really play in Europe. Obviously, we'd been in the UEFA Cup and the rebranded Europa League. Um, we got knocked out in the playoff by uh, Rapid Vienna. Uh, the first Gershon of the two Philippon. nightmares. <laughs> um, but we. this is the year, Dan, that we won the Peace Cup. I don't know if you've heard Whoa. us mention that. Yeah, <laughs> where, where we, we beat... Um, we beat Juventus in the final nil nil, but oh. we won on penalties. So. <laughs> okay, that is pathetic. Okay, okay, fair enough. We beat Juventus nil nil in the base cup. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, but bless them. Take is, what they can get. Yeah, uh, hey, the Conference League is is coming to us in the summer. We, um, we, that'll be the end of this podcast as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, this is our stint with Nike, where I'd say all of our Nike shirts were really, really good. Uh, this is one of them. Absolute quality kit. It's it's a great mm. design. The actual quality of the shirt is really, really good. i got no complaints. Uh, but I liked this era of Nike shirts. I'd be happy if we didn't go to Nike when we inevitably ditch Castor, just because I know that we're going to get templates. And even our Nike kits from this era are templates. The home shirt is basically the same, just in claret and blue um we tended to have the same shirt in two different styles effectively under nike um as whereas i feel like we have more unique kits across the three now as opposed to what nike or maybe even an adidas tend to do yeah i mean we've got nike at the minute obviously and on um yeah i won't be heartbroken when we move on from them i think they like to say they're, they're nice kits they're just a lot of templates and stuff like i don't know it's yeah. nothing really there's no real creativity and i don't know if it's because Maybe it's because our night kits are right after Adidas, and for me, our Adidas kits are the best we've ever had. I love, uh, I love basically all our Adidas kits, even though some of them were templates. They had like a lot of, I don't know, I really liked a lot of them. But yeah, no, fair enough. Two thousand and nine, Callum's gone for. So we both come for sort of the same era, roughly. Yeah, same era. And of course, Very we ha- don't really have a sponsor on this shirt as well. We have a charity. Oh which yeah, is much better than the crap we've got on the front of our shirts this year. Yeah, it's better than when we had Nicolites or something. Was like... oh, that might be worse than the betting sponsors, actually. Oh, that's all. Because it looks bad as well. It just looked bad. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't a fan of that one at all. Cool. Shall we get into the actual games then? Yes. Shall we start on Thursday night? Euro- yeah. Europa Conference League at Villa Park uh, against RZ Alkmaar, um, where... We just about squeaked over the line, I think it's fair to say. Um, mm. A really massive group win for the for us, though, because as expected, Legia Warsaw did beat Zrinski Mostar um, in Poland. Um, so obviously that game is going on at the same time as this one. So for us, it was really important um, to get that win because that would put daylight between us, uh, between Alkmaar and Mostar. Um, and they've sort of been cut adrift now. Uh, the uh, in the second half of that group, and it's highly likely that us and Legia will qualify. We only need a point, but I think both of us only need a point when we play each other at Villa Park in three weeks' time. So I think it'd be interesting to see how both teams approach that game. Um, but that's something we'll look at, I guess, in a few weeks. Um, but yeah, um, we were probably not gr- amazing on the night, a few things went helped shape that, I would say, and we'll come on to that briefly. Um, RZ didn't start the game very well, but they very much grew into the game. And the longer the first half went on, I think they got more confident uh, in how they wanted to play against us. So they sort of approached it approached it tactically in a similar way to how I said Luton had, where they kept 11 men behind the ball, but then would try and counter with a long ball over the top. Nottingham Forest did the same as well. And as our high, high line tends to do, we caught them offside so many times and you know i'm a big fan of our high line um it did inevitably get breached for their goal at the start of the second half it was always going to happen eventually but it's the benefits benefits of it 
outweigh everything else. Um, it's the same with playing out from the back. You'll be a great team playing out from the back if you do it all the time, but you will make mistakes occasionally and it will cost you a goal. But if it wins you 10 games and you lose one because you play out from the back, it's better than just hoofing it. But yeah, um, we went to the goal. We, so as they grew into the second half, me and dad was sat at half time. And uh, he, he was saying to me, he said, this, this lot can smell a goal. Um, they've really grown into the half. And sure enough, they came out in the second half and they just long ball over the top and they scored. And it was a bit of a, I don't know if it was a bit of a shell shock around Villa Park, really. Like they hadn't really had much in the game and all of a sudden they were ahead. We just hadn't been clinical. Um, and it meant we really had to sort of go for it. And Diego Carlos uh, got his first Aston Villa goal with a header from a corner. And then Douglas Louise has come off the bench and put in an unbelievable ball into the box for Ollie Watkins to head home. Um, fantastic goal. And it's very rare that I'm in the North stand. And it was one of those days where the teams were swapped at, the, at kickoff. So oh, right, okay. they were playing towards us in the second half, um, which is always nice. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's bizarre when it's the other way. Like, obviously, I mean, normally a Blues are in the tilt and, yeah. and obviously they normally attack our in second half. It's so weird when they don't. It just feels really yeah. strange. Like, yeah, it, it is weird. But when you're in the other end and and it happens, you're kind of like, oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. It's wicked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, sure. But, uh, yeah, Yuri Tillemans, I thought, uh, had a really good game. He was man of the match. I mean, the improvement in him since you know we were criticizing him a few weeks ago has been startling he's really starting to settle and he's getting more and more minutes and he's looking more comfortable and confident uh in this system i thought clement longley again he's pretty much i think he's only played in our european games and you know that's spot four games all season and he he doesn't look like a player that's only played four games um i thought i thought he did very very well and he and Speaking of Clement Longley, I think it's apt that we move on to a point that we kind of need to talk about. And we haven't really spoken about it for 13 weeks, Dan, but it has finally arrived. We need to talk about VAR and referees. Oh, no. And line our viewers. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye, our listeners. No, yeah, uh, with good reason, probably, though. Yes. Sometimes, I'm a big advocate of VAR, I think when they get it right in football, it's the right thing. And I would also say that if we hadn't, if we didn't, we weren't in a VAR era, a lot of the same mistakes and issues that are happening would still be happening. And we'd just be paraphrasing it with, why don't we have VAR? And I think that gets lost quite a lot. Um, And I think some of the steps they're doing with VAR will make it better. The semi-automated offsides I thought at the World Cup worked very, very well. And when they actually implement them into the Premier League, we will see some big benefits of that. Um, Obviously, you're still going to get like your armpit offsides because inevitably you have to draw a line somewhere. You can move it to the knee. You can move it. You can move it anywhere. You've got to draw a line somewhere. So you're always going to have like his, his fingernails offside because you have to draw that line somewhere. Um, so obviously this is a UEFA competition. So my understanding is that they have the semi-automated offsides um, where there's the sensors in the ball and then you get the graphic, like a, a, an accurate frame, accurate CGI frame of where the line is, what part's offside, what part isn't, where the defender is. Um, so in the third minute of the game, we've had a corner. Leon Bailey's put the ball into the box. Ollie Watkins has had a header, cleared off the line. It's come back to Leon Bailey, who's just taken the corner. He's put the ball back in, and Clement Longley's headed it in for his first Aston Villa goal after three minutes. We then have a VAR check, and the goal is ruled out for offside. I think one of the big issues with VAR in general is inside the ground, it is hopeless. You just get a picture on the screen saying, VAR checking, possible offside. At least on the television, for the most part, I'd say about nine times out of 10, maybe even more, a higher percentage than that. Um, you can actually, you can't hear what they're saying, but at least you can see what they're looking at most of the time. Yeah, I think it can be quite exciting, like watching it at home, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think if they went down the route of oh, like a, 
a cricket DRS or a TMO in rugby where you can hear the officials making their decision and coming to a conclusion, whether it be right or wrong, yeah. that might change the perception on VAR. Mm, yeah. Um, but inside the ground, it is hopeless because you just don't know. It's just a lottery. I, I think I think we need like a, a sort of tennis style like challenge system introduced where he, uh, would it work? I don't know, but I think you know, each team gets like three challenges. Maybe I mean, I'm obviously I've never actually been to a game where I don't think where VAR is in operation. I don't I don't think I have anyway because I I've been to a Premier League game in years. Um, yeah, over ten. Uh, when did I go to a Premier League game? Yeah, not certainly not before VAR came in anyway. Um, so and I don't miss it as a Championship fan. I don't like wish we had it in the Championship VAR. Yeah, but the referees get criticised in the championship. I mean, you think yeah, about that Miyoshi penalty it. against the Baggies, like slam dunk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, true, true. That's very true. I, I, I moan a lot about championship referees, um, as I'm going to later. But um, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, but this is so we talked about the semi-automated offsides. I don't know how this has happened, but obviously from when from where I was sat. I didn't see the ball get cleared off the line. I thought Ollie Watkins had just missed, uh, and it, almost like a Heskey style miss where he's he's had a shot and it's gone out for a throw in. Um, <laughs> sure. So it looked it was just just where you are when you're at the other end of the ground. Sometimes you lose that sort of depth perception a little bit at the far end. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the VAR check came up, I assumed it would be for Leon Bailey who just taken the corner. It's only when I've watched. Uh, I've been circulating the internet and watched all the post-match stuff on 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 the internet that that we found out that at halftime the referee has apologised to the players and the staff because they've disallowed a goal that should not have been disallowed because obviously uh, the ball was cleared off the line, which is a new phase of play, which means Leon Bailey is not offside, and because yeah. the defender has intentionally played the ball. It's not a great look, and I don't know how that's happened. Um, the main thing for me is is I go back to me and Dad talking at halftime, talking about how RZ have grown into the game. A goal after three minutes completely changes everything about that half. Everything That 45 minutes or 43 minutes or whatever is completely different because their game plan changes. We, we probably attack a bit more. The game opens up. They're not sat necessarily 11 men behind the ball. It's complete that that disallowed goal completely changes the entire game. Okay, they've disallowed it. It's it is what it is. We can't do anything about it. The one, but we've got a goal down. Our equaliser has come from a corner, and I don't know how they've given a corner because the ball's come in. And I don't know how defensive midfielder Bubakar Kamara has ended up on the uh, six yard line, but he has. And miss of the season, he's taken that away from Matty Cash uh, and somehow ballooned it over the top of the bar. Obviously, as I said, this mm. is right in front of us. So we've all gone, what a what an awful miss. How's he done that? It's harder to miss than it is to score that chance. And they put into the, the they've given a corner. We're like, what? He never, it, they never, t- surely they didn't get a touch on that. It certainly didn't look like it. I'm not having to go at the referee for that because from where the referee's angle is, he's almost certainly could look like it's a touch how the linesman yeah gives the, gives a corner there it genuinely boggles the mind and that's uh, you know you talk about you know you make your own luck and it all equals out you know we shouldn't have had a goal disallowed the equalizer should never have happened it's leveled itself out but that's two decisions they're not like Oh, was it a foul on the halfway line? Was it not? Yeah, I'm not sure. These are two game-changing decisions, and they're big yeah. ones to get wrong. They're big ones I, to get wrong. I wonder sometimes if linesmen are just scared to overall referees, especially if they think, sometimes. "Oh, it's a corner. I'll just let it go." Uh, that's uh, who knows. Like that's sometimes yeah. what I think. I mean, I, I remember. I, I, I maybe I'm talking a bit too passionately about this, given that we scored from the corner. But I just think back to like the League Cup final in 2020 when. One of Man City's goals came from a corner that should never have been a corner. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, no, of course, yeah. it, 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 eventually something will come and hit your own team in the same way, sort of thing. Mm. Um, I think it's, it's just like, I, especially with things like the League Cup example you just gave, like for this, for these decisions to be wrong at such a high level, you know, it's such importance on it. It is, it is a bit baffling. 
I understand people don't want VAR intervening on every little decision because it'll slow the game down. But I don't think it'll slow the mm. game down at all. Is while they're taking the ball over to the corner, the man on VAR goes, oh, ref, it's not a corner. He hasn't touched it. Just give a goal kick. Yeah, like if we can see a replay on Sky Sports like that, like how, uh, yeah, like especially when it's so obvious sometimes. Yeah, it's 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 not going to slow the game down to just be like actually don't don't re- don't take the corner. It's a goal kick, and especially like with that where it is like a black and white thing. Like if it's clearly not a corner, it's not like oh you know is this a foul or something you know or is this a red card? You know it's like a black and white decision. Yeah, and you won't have people moaning either. You'll be like, you know what, the ref- the VAR's done well there. It's exactly what it's for. It was an error, and he's got it right. The referee is going to miss hundred more... decisions in a game because. He can't have eyes everywhere. It's the whole point of having the technology. Sure. But then again, then the only thing with that is then for people in the stadium, maybe communication somehow needs to be improved. But yeah. uh, it's a kind but of worms. Like. It is, yeah. Because because they don't show re- any replays other than a goal in the stadium as well. So be- mm. because they know that if the referee's given if a the corner, they can't show the replay yeah. because the crowd will be like, all the players look at the big screen and go, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> But, they did it at the World. Do you remember the World Cup in South Africa? They did, there was a goal that was offside that was scored, and they showed the replay on the big screen. Yes, Everyone in the stadium yeah. saw it was offside. Oh, God, I felt so bad for the ref. <laughs> like, yeah. felt so bad for him. Yeah. yeah, but alas, we've won the game. We've got the points we needed, and we're only a point away from qualifying. Which, very much, top in the group is completely within our own hands as well. So. Um, I think if we, uh, obviously we'll talk about this when we play Legia, but if we were to win 2-0, we would almost certainly go on to top the group because we'd have a better head-to-head. So um, the the big thing big thing for us was winning that game so that it means that even if we only get a point against Legia, we don't have to necessarily play a really strong team when we travel to Bosnia uh, because that's going to be in, a, in, a, in the Christmas fixtures where we've got to play... Arsenal, Manchester City, we've got Bournemouth and Brentford and there's just so many games in that schedule so if we can keep that game as a just play whoever we want that, that's got to be the ideal thing Shall we talk about the uh, the masterclass from Mr Rooney at the uh, the old weekend? <sighs> Yes, if we must, if we must if, if, I don't know if you remember Dan, I don't know if you remember like a week ago we were sat here and we were talking about previewing the Sunderland Blues game. And I said to you, put a fiver on Joe Bellingham to score, Dan. You'd have still yeah. lost the game, but you would be a bit richer if you'd listen <laughs> to me. <laughs> I, uh, we, um, we, so as I mentioned earlier that I recorded the game, um, so I avoided the score and I watched it when I got in because um, I was at work. And um, I, so, and someone at work said this to me the next day because I remember, and I remembered it happening. Um, uh, about quarter to one or something, or no, about 1 p.m. maybe, so about half an hour into the game, I said, I bet Blues are 2-0 down, I bet Joe Bellingham scored twice, I bet that's what's going on. And so <laughs> Blues were 1-0 down and Joe Bellingham had scored though, so I was like, as I was saying, that was pretty close. Um, yeah, so for anyone who missed it, Blues lost 3-1 away at Sunderland. So twice in the last three weeks I've missed the game, recorded it, watched it when I got in, and Blues have lost 3-1 away to a team wearing red and white stripes that starts with S. So I'm not going to do it. If we play Stoke <laughs> away, I'm kick off, I'm not doing it. Um, yeah, just all that all that optimism I had against Ipswich last week, I'm sure you remember, I was quite positive about that game. Yeah, um, yeah this is probably the most negative uh, negative I've felt. In the, so Bruni's had five games now. Um, and for me, this was probably the. I didn't see the Middlesbrough game, which was the very first one, to be fair. But more just because it, it was like all the same mistakes. Like it wasn't necessarily the worst, but considering it's we've had a few games now, um, I'm still fully, fully behind Rooney, and I, I feel like there's a lot of positive things going on at the club. A lot of positive things, a lot of things to be excited about, and you know the stadium's starting to look better week by week, and there's been some news that the club's going to be trying to go back to Category 1 Academy status. They're going to work towards that again and do it properly this time. So that's... Things like that. It's just a lot to be optimistic about. Um, but right now on the pitch, we it's we need to just get through this. like, um, And we need to make sure this is... 
You look at like you, John Eustace's results when he came into Blues. He had a rough couple of months when he came in. Didn't I know we won a couple of games, but it wasn't great. You look at Michael. Carrick, I guess the expectation uh, might have been different. I suppose. Of course, yeah, true, yeah, of course. Another example, though, Michael Carrick at Middlesbrough had an awful, has had an awful time start with, and really turned it around there for the most part. So my point is, we need to make sure this is like that, where it started bad, but we find a way through it and make sure this does not turn into like a Zola thing. Because that, like, obviously, a lot of comparisons being made to that. I've made comparisons yeah. to that. I think that was like nine or ten, maybe eleven games before he won one, and obviously he only won two. Um, I, I really don't. I really do not want the Rooney thing to turn into that. Like what frustrated me was, so we we were, so obviously Joe Bellingham scored, and we were talking about corners and refereeing decisions and so on. So I don't know if you've seen the goal, but it came from a corner. It shouldn't have been a corner. Um, came off the Sunderland man last, so it shouldn't have been a corner. Uh, although maybe a potential handball in there instead, but I, I don't know. It shouldn't have been a corner. But I can't really moan about it because our defending on the corner was so pathetic that. You know, it, like if you if you're defending that half decent, it's not an issue. You know, I hate conceding like such basic goals from corners because I think it's so amateurish. Um, and obviously Joe Bellingham scored very kind of respectful though. Like didn't really really celebrate. Probably wouldn't bother me that much if he had, but I think it's you know nice of him that he didn't. I think that's. And on a side note, I think he's gonna. I think he looks really good I thought he had a really good game and I think I do think he'll have a future I think he's I think he could be a real good player with the right setup around him but then we equalize he, he could either be the Thorgan Hazard to Eden Hazard or the Marcus Bent to Darren Bent time <laughs> yeah. will tell yeah. sure Marcus Bent scored a few goals in that game actually for Blue yeah. but yeah um yeah he could be you know um I think he I think he could have a, a career, absolutely have a really good career um but then we, so we were really poor. Sunderland hit the post twice when it was either nil-nil or one-nil. Uh, they were all over us. But then we had a little spell and equalised. Koji Miyashi scored a really good goal. But then, so we had a good spell there and we actually went in at half-time and looked much the better team, actually. So I was actually quite positive at half-time. But then second half, like, never really threatened Sunderland. Uh, so Samson scored a known goal, but I don't think it, in the circumstances, kind of just hit, we tried to clear the ball and it's hit off him. The issue wasn't with Sanderson, in my opinion. Um, and then Sunderland have wrapped it up later on, but defensively throughout the throughout the game, really poor, like really basic mistakes being made. The second goal I mentioned, Sanderson not really at fault, not specifically his fault, although I don't think he had a great game. But um, like the balls come over and they've just like. No one's picking a man up on the far side. Everyone thinks it's going to go out of play and it hasn't. And he's looped to header back around and it's gone over Ruddy and they've managed to get in and score. It's just such basic things. And then the first one straight from a corner, like really just... Uh, when we've got Ashley Cole and John O'Shea in there in the coaching setup, two great defenders, I don't really know what's going on at the minute. We do look a threat at times going forward. There was times when Miyoshi was linking up with Stansfield and I thought he looked really promising. Uh, they looked really promising together. But, yeah, defensively, in my opinion, we need a complete reset, complete back-to-basics. There's times when, like, they, they want to do this whole playing out from the back thing, and we were talking about that earlier. But there's times... It's just being rushed, in my opinion. You've got Rudy passing out to Ivan Sonjic. You know, like, we're not... <laughs> playing out from the back is great when you've got Edison and John Stones. Like, yeah. it, like it's, in my opinion, go back to basics. Kevin Long did nothing really wrong, and yet has found himself out of the team. I would probably put him back in. Um, hopefully Buchanan will be back soon. Get back to that back four we had at the start of the season. Although Dramer has been decent. Um, yeah, and just get back to being solid. Build from the back. We seem to be prioritising going forward. Build from the back. Make yourself solid. And then we can implement this new no-fear football that they're calling it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, and it's like no fear, but we've lost like four games out of five. And, drew the other and you're one. conceding quite a lot of goals in those yeah, how many, games. Yeah, how many now is it under Rooney? So it's, uh, three... It's been at least two a game, hasn't it? Mostly three a game. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven, ga- eleven goals in five games, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a bit alarming. Um, I... I I understand you. if we talk about playing out from the back. I get where you're coming from. And I also see why he's persisting with it. Like, there are 
some similarities to Steven Gerrard Aston Villa is why our fans are making that sort of comparison. Um, mm. Steven Gerrard tried to make us a team that played out from the back and we had a few ropey moments and we sort of abandoned it. I'm not saying if we'd have kept it, Stephen Gerrard would still be managing Aston Villa Football Club because there was more than that as a problem. But it certainly didn't help him by he came in with this philosophy. And then when we had a few issues with it, it was just thrown out the window. And yeah, and I'm not saying. Hard. Yeah, true. And look, I'm not saying it should be thrown out. I'm just saying we need to take it a lot slower and focus on. But like Rooney, he's not stupid. Like he's come out and he has said, like this is what we want to do. But I acknowledge that we need to pick up points as well as we go. It can't just be the problem with like Zola was he had no plan B. He just persisted with it kind of blindly. Um, and Rooney's right when he says that teams that get out of the division are teams that get down and uh, out the right way. You know, going up hundred percent teams that get get the ball down and play. And he is right. So I understand it may be a necessary transition, but I think. We're leaking so many goals. We need to just get that back and get that solidity back. Um, and it's, I find like Bielik was suspended, so we couldn't play. But I think we've got good players. Bielik, like Bielik Dembele, for example. Ignoring that Bielik was suspended for the last game, we've got good players that aren't starting games. And I feel like just play to the players' strengths is my like my thought process. Um, instead of trying to get square pegs and round holes. Right. I think you can take similarities from us from 12 months ago, because that's what we did. Yeah. I, just find it, I find it a bit strange. But as I, said, I am behind Rooney. The big thing is he's got, after the international break, he's got three mass, like, massive games. Like in his, So in his defence, we've had five really hard games. And also in his defence, our away form's been terrible all season. Like, yeah. uh, you know, games under you, our away form's dreadful. Like we had games at the Eustace this season, like Norwich away, where I don't know if it would have been Norwich is blacklisted. Like, Norwich is blacklisted, and if I was there, I think Sunderland would be as well. Now, Rooney's like next few games are huge. Like we've got Sheffield Wednesday at home next, and then I think we've got Blackburn away, and then we've got Rotherham at home. So in Sheffield Wednesday and Rotherham, you've got two of the weakest sides in the division. Like from them three games, I think six points minimum. Um, so the, this will be a real test. Two weeks after, hopefully you know, really work out what's going on. Um, I, I wasn't expecting, like, you know, I wasn't expecting us within a month of Rooney's appointment to still be in the top six and so on, but we're back uh, in 18th. I understood we might have to take a step back to go take two steps forward, um, but we really are taking some steps back at the minute. Yeah, back in 18th, our usual, our familiar position from most familiar position of the last few years. Um but yeah, two weeks now to hopefully knuckle down and work out what's going on. I will tell. I would say the international break has come at a very good point for you, maybe. Yeah. Although the only annoying thing is, I believe John O'Shea and Ashley Cole um, work internationally as well. So, um, what's going on there? but maybe maybe the players just need a bit of time with Rooney and the other coaches just to work out what's going on. Um, yeah, Sheffield Wednesday's huge, though. huge game though. Uh, shall we move back on to um, Villa? Because you played again the following day. We did. We played on Sunday. You, you've had a much. O'clock. You've had a much better week than me. <laughs> <We're content. Yeah. laughs> it, it makes up for last week. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Um, but no, we had Fulham on yesterday. Yesterday, I'm, I'm losing track of the days really. Um, where we were, we were excellent again. Um, especially in the first sixty minutes. Um. More, you know, it's it's Yuri Tillemans came in for his first start, so um, he's been knocking on the door of a Premier League start for a few games now. Um, he made a good cameo against West Ham, two man of the match performances in Europe. You got, you know, I think he sort of came into the club expecting to go straight into the team as a big name signing, um, and has really had to fight for his place in the shirt, which is what you want. You want, you don't want players you want to have a squad of players that are all vying for places, you know, when Alex Moreno is fit again, um, him and Luca Dean, that's going to be one heck of a battle um, for that position. Jacob Ramsey, when he comes back in, where is he going to fit in at the moment? Um, but yeah, I was very impressed with Tielemans. I thought he had a very good game for a Premier League start. Um, I thought in the first half, especially a lot of the good things we did, he was involved with. Um he wasn't man of the match though because that a hundred percent 
went to the skipper, John McGinn. Uh, and I, I think I said this a few weeks ago. I, it's honestly mind boggling to like 12 months ago, he was on the bench. It, it looked like his career at Aston Villa was done. Um, and you, you look at him now, he's one of our best players again. And it, you just love to see it. You know, it was last year was tough. Like the opening part of last year was really tough to see a player that, you know, was so instrumental in us getting promoted and then staying in the Premier League and a player that's much loved by the fans really struggle. Um, so to see him back at his best, and in fact, he's even better than what we thought his best was. Um, he was unplayable. He was in that midfield battle with Jao Polinia, who rightfully gets a lot of plaudits in that Fulham side because he's a very, very good player. Um, but he just couldn't live with John McGinn at the weekend. Um, you know, he scored a fantastic goal. So, yeah, so we, we went a goal up through through an own goal. Um, really good ball in by Yuri Tielemans, who I was saying had a really good game, uh, especially in that first half. Um, and Moussa Diaby's raced into the box with Anthony Robinson and Robinson can do nothing in that situation, but kind of put the ball into his own net, which is what he did. Um, and then, yeah, John McGinn's rifled in a shot. He's he's done a bit of a dummy on Jao Polinia and then just rifled one into the bottom right-hand corner. And it's, you know, the Villa Park at the moment, once we're going 2-0 up, there's that confidence in the fans, there's the confidence in the players, there's just that belief throughout the entire place that we will not lose the game. And it's only half-time. Um, mm. To be fair to Fulham, you know, they came and they came with a game plan and they didn't sit back behind the ball like we like Forrest had done, like Altmar had done, Luton, etc. Um, they tried to go toe-to-toe with us and play how they play well. Um, they made a change at halftime. They brought Harry Wilson on. He was probably their best player, actually. He he was he caused us a lot of problems when he came on. He was lively, he was creating chances. Obviously, he was trying to exploit the high line. Um and so he was the danger man for them. And he had a really good cameo, really. He played a half. He played very well when he came on. Um, who knows what might may or may not have happened had he played the full game. We'll never know. Um, so it's kind of against the run of play. We've counterattacked from a corner. Ollie Watkins has headed the ball clear. And then as we've broke, we've countered, Leon Bailey's just come on the pitch. Him and John McGinn are sort of carrying the ball forward. Uh, McGinn plays a lovely ball in for him for Leon Bailey, and he just slides it across the six-yard box, and Ollie Watkins has a tap-in. His 10th goal in all competitions, I think, this season. It might even be more than that now. Um, well, like nine of them against Hibs, though. Three of them. <laughs> Sorry, okay. Yeah, um, comfortable. Comfortable um, at that point. But as I said, we hadn't actually been the better team in that second half, and especially when we went 3-0 up, there was... Like it, like we had against Luton, there was a bit of complacency that crept in, and um, and as we have done pretty much every week, we've lost our clean sheet again. Um, but I have a bit of sympathy this week because during Ollie Watkins, uh, the, during the goal for Ollie Watkins in the breakaway, Anthony Robinson, who scored an own goal, slipped and gave the ball away. Um, he was booked for descent during the celebrations. And he then went crunching into a tackle not two minutes after the restart. And if he hadn't already been booked, he would have been booked. It was a definite yellow card challenge and he should have been sent off. Um, It was frustrating that he wasn't sent off at the time, even though we were 3-0 up. It was even more frustrating he wasn't sent off when he gets the assist for the goal Uh, that they score and that takes the clean sheet away. Um. So I do sympathise a little bit. Again, it was another one of those where we haven't quite got the high line particularly right. And Harry Wilson's crossfield ball over to Anthony Robinson. Great, great ball across. And he's just laid it on a plate for um, Raul Jimenez to score. Uh, Raul Jimenez hadn't scored since March 2022. So obviously he scored against us. Um, it's the best keeper in the world, apparently. The, uh, there's nothing Emmy Martinez could have done about that. Uh, but, uh, true, true. Um, but yeah, it's an annoying one because we we just we're just not keeping clean sheets and we're winning games so comfortably that the missing piece to the jigsaw is just the clean sheet at the moment. 
Um, like we should have had one against Fulham. We definitely should have got one against Luton, really. Um, you know, there's just you know, we beat Brighton by six, but we let a poor goal in. You know, it's just it is just a missing piece for us at the moment. Even away at Alkmaar, we've won four-one. We were four-nil up and let a sloppy goal in. So it's just the missing piece. And it and uh, you know, I don't you know, if if I'm on here uh, in a couple of weeks and we've I think Tottenham's our next game. If we beat them, Tottenham one nil, but we've got the clean sheet. That'll be more impressive than if we won three one to me at the moment. Oh, yeah. Because that's that's something that I really want oh, right, us yeah. to see at the moment. Yeah, fair enough. It's like what I'm saying as well. Defensive solidity over a bill. But obviously your attack is so good, is unfortunately so good at the minute you can get away with it. Yeah. Well, I mean at Villa Park, we're just scoring goals for fun, really. Um yeah. it's gonna be really interesting because we you know, after the international break, we've got Manchester City and we've got Arsenal both coming to Villa Park. And so I think those are two games that even from a neutral watching, they could be absolute crackers. Um yeah. so um those are some big tests coming up. Um but yeah. Uh we can't complain. We're fifth in the league. We're a couple of points off the top of the league. The dream is alive. Oh, just, I'm just going to pretend none of it's happening. Unfortunately, <laughs> I run a podcast with a Villa fan, so I have to hear about all this. The early season optimism, it's, it's all gone for you, Dan, hasn't it? Uh, it'll be back. It'll be back, honestly. A big win against Sheffield Wednesday in a couple of weeks. So I'll be back on that train. <laughs> the, the Tom Brady revolution, it's all good. Just a couple of bits of housekeeping because this, will, I guess, will sort of wrap us up today because um, we've got no, we've got no matches next week. Um, mm. I don't know if you have much housekeeping. I've just got a few points. Um, obviously, today it was announced that uh, Ezri Konza has at long last got himself an England call up. Uh, obviously, he wasn't in the original squad, but there's been a couple of dropouts, and so him, uh, Cole Palmer, and Rico Lewis, which was. I'd say the biggest surprise of the three um, mm. have all got senior call-ups for the first time. Um, I'd say it's deserved. I think he's he's had a very good season. He's been very consistent for us. Uh, again, a player that Unai Emery has improved um, absolutely massively how much he's improved him. Um, I'd say he's a good fit for England because of his versatility. Um, he yeah. plays centre back for us, and he fills in at right back when we need to rest Matty Cash. And so I think you know if he's pl- <clears throat> if he's playing for the England senior team, he can play centre back, right back, or he can play anywhere in a back three near enough. Um, and I think you need that sort of versatility at an international level. And obviously Gareth Southgate likes to alternate between the four and the five at the back. So I think he could be a good addition to that. He's not exactly slow either. So. You know, if he was on the right of a back three, um, you know, if you had, if you're playing like, for example, if you had, if he was playing next to Harry Maguire, for example, he's got some pace to make up for the fact that Harry Maguire doesn't have a lot of pace, for example. Um, so I am happy for him. Obviously, you go with Ollie Watkins. Uh, unlike a lot of fans, I don't really like our players going on international duty because I'd rather them not go and play more games and possibly get injured and get slated by. Um, people on twitter Joe and, Cole. <laughs> yeah like or all, all, all what happens is you know like ollie watkins might go and score two goals for england and the next thing you know fabrizio romano is trying to sell him on twitter like go away just yeah. leave our players alone <laughs> um so um but obviously very happy for him um but i hope him and ollie watkins don't actually play on international duty. <laughs> um and the only other thing as well is Alex Moreno is um who I thought would have got some minutes in the week didn't but he is currently playing tonight um in the PL Cup he's basically playing in our under 23s his first minutes we've just beaten Swansea 4-3 we were three goals down so uh, some minutes in the legs um for Alex Moreno so he'll be a huge boost for us now after the international break as he gets back up to match fitness very good no rest at all um on that front then. Um, no, I didn't have too much in terms of housekeeping with Blues. Uh, just that I did touch on um, the club going, attempting to go back to category category one status for the academy. So um, basically the club did go to category one status under the previous owners, but made such a hash of it that we very quickly got downgraded against category two. And it makes it easier to kind of 
attract young talent and keep them at the yeah. club and help them develop, basically. Um, it's a really good, important thing. Obviously, Blues have had... Um, uh, model Blues was always the, the academy that you wanted to be in if you were playing football in Birmingham. I mean, when I was growing up, yeah, that was the if you were going to make it into a local academy, you wanted to make it into the Birmingham City Academy. It didn't matter what team you support when you at that point, you know, if you want to play professional football. So yeah, it's sure. a massive thing for your club. Yeah, I mean, we had like um, obviously the Bellingham brothers, uh, Jordan James, Damari Gray, Nathan Redmond, Jack Butland. So like Blues had. Like lots of Will Grieg have had lots of uh, lots of good players come through. Lots of good players and Will Grieg have come through. Blues <laughs> the man's on fire! No, God to, damn it! Not, not to dig on Will Grieg, um, Villa Villa fan apparently. But um, uh, no, so it's great to see. I'm glad the club hopefully do it properly this time uh, and don't rush it. I'm sure they will. Uh, as obviously as things on the pitch aren't going great at the minute, but I have full faith in you know, this new setup to to get it done properly this time. And it's a really important thing and to, to keep it going and keep like young talent coming through and because they are the future of the club, you know. Um so yeah, that's all I really had, but that's some positive news. I think we're coming to an end, Dan. I don't think there's too much more to cover across the second no, not really. this week. No, obviously, um international break this week. Um a very quick note, we've got Sheffield Wednesday. We may cover this next week anyway, possibly. We've got Sheffield Wednesday after the international break, so that's a big game. So hopefully we'll... Uh, obviously, they're rock bottom, so hopefully we'll get something against them. I'd say... Can you, if you can have a must-win in... No, a must-win game in November, I'd say this is one. Uh, you've got Spurs, did you say? Spurs away. Ooh. So... Big. They're on back-to-back losses, uh, and we've yeah. kind of struggled away from home. So... Should be a good game. Should be. It's get. It's been labelled as the Highline Derby. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> sure. sure, yeah, should uh, should be an interesting one for sure. Um, cool. We'll wrap it up there then, I guess. Uh, enjoy the international yep. games if you are going to watch them. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah. I will, to be honest, um, I will. I will be enjoying won't. like a week without football. I think. <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of what you got to treat it as, in my opinion. Like. Um... It's ironic because like, obviously we love the World Cup and the Euros so much, but um, yeah, the qualifiers and all that are very, very boring. But I think it's okay as long as the tournaments are good. It's what matters really. Um, mm. So if you've enjoyed today's podcast, please do subscribe on whichever podcasting platform you're listening on. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter and TikTok. Uh, yep, and why not leave us a five-star review uh, while you're at it? You can also <laughs> follow us uh, with the handle at Second City Pod. That's at Second City Pod, so 2ND City Pod. Yeah, and do go and check out our two special Second City Story episodes. We did one on Alex McLeish and we did one on Hotter as well, um, if you haven't already. Uh, There will most likely be a new Second City Story next week. So that side series, get yourself up to date because uh, obviously it's another international break. Yeah, look forward to that. Um, so on that note, Cal, I will catch up with you next week. Yeah, I will see you again next week down up the villa. KRO and see you next time.